0: you to think of your favorite memory of Daddy and tell me it. I like Daddy when he was playing all the games with me and when he was tickling me and when he was... <laughs> what about the Cheetos in the truck? What? When you guys were eating Cheetos on his truck. Oh yeah, yeah. I like that part too. What was it what about did you like that? Yeah. Okay. You didn't really answer my question. What? What about that memory did you like? Um when we sat on on um, his truck. And what'd you guys do on his truck? Just ate and ate and ate and eight and eight and eight and eight ate. And eight. Oh, that sounds good. Was Daddy your best friend? Yes. <laughs> you can tell me one more thing? I love my dad so much, I cannot even, and I love playing with him, and I can't even believe that he's up in heaven. And I miss you, Dad. If you haven't figured it out, today's episode is going to be all about telling Jack about the death of his father. I will say that the thing I've found the most helpful is giving Jack the space he needed and continues to need to feel the feelings that he has. Whenever we're doing an event for John or talking about him or even my dad, I give him the space by telling him, it's okay if you're sad. It's okay if you're not sad. I'm here if you need to talk about it. I'm here if you need a hug. And I'll always be here no matter what. And I love you. I think I've said it so much in the last five months that the last time I said it, he was like, yeah, I know mom, you say that all the time. But I just want him to know that it's okay that whatever he's feeling, he can feel. That being said, telling Jack about his father's death, John's death, was probably... The hardest thing besides finding out that John had died. July of 2022 is the first time that we had to discuss death with Jack. Uh, John's Uncle Pete died suddenly and Jack was pretty close with him. They... Used to talk on the phone. He, Uncle Pete would be over a lot when John's parents were watching Jack. They just had a really cute relationship. He would go look at his construction vehicles and they'd talk about different things and they would always make phone calls. Um, even when Jack was like two, he would pretend to call Uncle Pete on the phone all the time. When we told Jack, he was pretty upset. He said, you know, who am I going to call now? And we allowed him to ask questions. We told him that Uncle Pete was sick and he went up to heaven. And Jack was okay with that. We told him that anytime he wanted to, he could look up in the sky and talk to Uncle Pete. And he did that. He did that quite a bit. And I tried not to make, we tried not to make a big deal out of it because we didn't want it to be a behavior that he did just to get attention, which he does a lot, which most four- and five-year-olds do a lot. But we wanted to make sure, or wanted him to do it because he wanted to. And if he didn't, that was fine too. We didn't ever bring up the subject. When my dad died in September, that was a little bit harder I remember sitting him down the front porch with John, and we talked to him and told him that Skipper went up to heaven, that God needed him, God needed his help, Jack was not okay with that, (laughs) he was not happy that his Skipper was up in heaven, having to help God with his mowing his lawn and making other decisions and teaching God how to sail a sailboat. But like we said before, you know, you can always look up and talk to him. You, he will always be in your heart and he'll always be watching over you. A little bit difference between that and Uncle Pete is Jack would be upset at night a couple of times he would just be just sad and say I miss Skipper, I want him and he would was doing that a lot more than he did with Uncle Pete which is understandable. My dad was his grandpa, you know. They used to work on projects together. Jack spent the first year of his life with him when I lived with my parents while John was deployed. They were buds. They did a lot of stuff together and my Dad was an amazing grandpa. He let them get away with pretty much murder, which is <laughs> so different than when he was a parent, but so amazing to see. My dad always just say, I wish I could skip being a parent and just go right to being a grandpa. So in telling Jack about John, I knew I would need some help. I knew that I couldn't do it alone, and I wanted somebody, a couple people there, I think not only to support me, but to show, to show Jack that he wasn't alone. I was nervous about the fact that all of these important men in his life were dying, and I didn't want him to freak out about that. So I had my brother there. And we, my brother, my mom, and I kind of made a plan about how to tell him. And we involved our pastor, Adam, which was amazing. He was absolutely quintessential in telling Jack in the most appropriate way I think that we could have before we told him he was before we told Jack he was staying at my brother and sister-in-law's house a lot I didn't want him to go all the way up to school because I wanted the kids close they've always been kind of like little therapy for me I love giving them hugs and just squeezing them tight when I really need a little comfort. Piper used to, you know, I used to pick her up sometimes in the middle of the night and just have her lay on my chest. Because that was just, I don't know, it was comforting. But I also had a hard time, I think, seeing Jack because I knew how much hurt I was about to inflict on him. I knew how much pain he would be going through or at least what he might be going through and that scared me. That was one of those times where I I needed other people to hold me up because I really couldn't, I couldn't do it by myself. So, I believe it was the Saturday after John had died, my brother, my mom, and I with Jack all met in Pastor Adam's office. His office is covered in amazing Star Wars Legos, like the really big ones that take probably a week or so to put together. At least for me, it takes me a whole, you know, four hours to put just uh, like a 500 piece one together. So it's really commendable, his Star Wars Lego collection. And I mentioned these wonderful Lego works of art because he actually let Jack kind of handle one and play for it. I mean, not play with it, but just kind of like show him all the cool stuff on it for a little bit. And then we all sat around this table, and he had Jack start coloring a picture. He's just, hey, here's some crayons Do you want to color a picture. And he goes, okay. And then it was go time. And I said, Jack, I have something to tell you. Um,. And I just kind of ripped off the band-aid and I said, Daddy was very sick, which to me, he was really sick. He had been battling mental illness, which to me is a real illness, for a while, and he gave out. And I told him that Daddy was really sick and that he had to go up to heaven with Uncle Pete and skipper and he's coloring and he just looks at me and goes okay and in my mind I'm like holy fuck he does not get it he has no idea. He, like it's not he's not grasping what just happened and I had no idea what to do I had no idea how to get it through to him that his dad was dead I can't just be like, all right, dude, he's dead. Let's go. You know, let's go get some lunch. Luckily, that's when Pastor Adam stepped in and he was firm, but I think necessary. And he says, Jack, I need you to look at me. So Jack looked up at him and he says, or he said, you know how when Skipper went to heaven, you didn't see him anymore? He's like, yes. You know how he, you don't see Skipper anymore? He said yes. And he started to get a little sad. And I think at this point, all of us were crying. He said, you're never going to see your daddy again. He's in heaven. His body went up to heaven. You're never going to see him again. And that's when Jack really understood it and absolutely fell apart. He ran to me and he said, it's not fair. He was my best friend. And he just sobbed. And we all gave him a big hug and sobbed with him. Ah. It was the absolute worst moment in my life, I think. And me being in my very anxious state, I just started talking. I've kind of figured out that when I'm anxious and I can't control anything, I just kind of start making plans or telling everybody about the plans, I think it helps me feel like I'm in control of something. So I kind of told him, you know, okay, we're going to have a funeral. We're going to do this. And luckily pastor Adam kind of gave me the, okay, let's, let's be quiet and let him just grieve. And he literally said, let's just give him a moment to just understand and and just cry. And I said, okay. And we all just let him cry. And I, I think we all cried together, but I think even if you're not a spiritual person, it's always good to, I think, to have someone there, some sort of mediator, some counselor there to really guide you through these things. You know, if you have to go through that, I can't imagine what I would have done or how I would have explained to him more. I just like, I think this was like the first time that I was at a loss of, I don't know what to do which is so it's so out of control for me like that is just so not knowing what to do for your own kid I think is is scary and I know it's kind of like this is a little you know not a little thing but it's it's just words but I was so incredibly grateful for Pastor Adam to really take the reins on that and help him understand and Deliver this terrible news to him. After. Jack. After he was crying for a little bit. And then. um, He and my mom went to go play in a different room. While. um, Dean and I stayed with Pastor Adam. And. Made some funeral plans. And arrangements. And different things during that time he was with my mom and he said everything's going to be okay and she was just like she just looked at him and was like holy christmas okay and she just she was like yep everything's going to be okay we're all here when they came back into pastor adams office The picture that he was drawing, he asked Pastor Adam to make sure that he sent it up to heaven so his daddy could have it. And so Pastor Adam framed it, and put it on his wall, and he said, It's always going to be here so daddy can always look at it. Those are the kind of people you need in your life. Those are the kind of people that you have to surround yourself with. And... A little hypocritical saying that because I haven't really been back to church since, but Jack and my mom have. I haven't been back to church, I think, because I get a lot of social anxiety. I've noticed that I don't want to go places where people know about my situation because I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, look at... You, you're really sad, but I couldn't be more grateful and more thankful that we have that church community and Pastor Adam to kind of help us through there. And I think eventually I will go back because I know it makes Jack really happy. One thing that Pastor Adam did mention that he, meaning Jack, might start associating Pastor Adam with death and with sad things so he might not like him that didn't happen with us or at least hasn't so far but that might be something that can happen to other people Um, so I just wanted to put that out there he said that eventually probably will fade but just be prepared for that after we left pastor Adam's office uh, we went out to lunch And that's when Jack looked at me and he goes, mommy, everything's going to be okay. He's like, but I'm the man of the house now. (laughs) And I said, hold up. I'm the mom of the house. You can be the boy of the house. Okay. And he was okay with that. And I told him, yes, everything is going to be okay. And the reason I said that he is not the man of the house is because he is not a man. He is a boy. He is a child. He needs to be a child. I never wanted him to assume any sort of responsibility, either emotionally or having to take care of us or anything like that, because I think sometimes kids do. They, especially if you have this kind of man the house notion, they feel like, okay, I've got to be this person. It's like, I want him to be... A child. I want him to be a goofy little boy that he is and grow up as normal as he can be and be a child. And so that's why I made that distinction. Not that he doesn't try to be the man of the house or mansplain me and how to park correctly and all this other stuff, which I just think it's him. It's not anything to do with John because he was doing that before John died. But He needs to be a child. He's already experienced so much that he shouldn't have experienced already that I don't want him to feel like he needs any sort of extra responsibility because of John's death. After that lunch we had, Jack didn't really talk about John. Actually, he didn't talk about John at all. After my dad died, Jack would talk about Skipper a lot. He would show everybody his office, his new office that he just put together. He would tell everybody he was up in heaven, but he's looking down at him. He just, he would talk about him, but he stopped talking about John. He didn't try to use. John's missing John as a stalling tactic to go to bed, none of that, which to me was very weird. I was waiting for all of that to happen, and he just kind of went silent on John. I didn't press it either. I didn't, you know, ask him about it, I don't think, maybe like once or twice, but He was kind of nonchalant and indifferent about it. Oh, wait. That was concerning to me. But I didn't press it too hard. Because I didn't know if it was a bad thing or not. That's something that I eventually would talk to his therapist about. And I'll get to that in just a second. When John had his funeral... Or when we had the funeral for John, I told Jack kind of what was going on. I tried to explain to him as best as possible. And once again, I gave him that space. And I told him, a lot of people are going to be sad. Mommy and Gigi and, you know, Uncle Dean and all these people are going to be sad today. I said, it's okay if you're sad too. We're here for you. I said, it's okay if you're not sad either. I didn't want him to feel obligated to feel anyway. I just wanted him to know that we were here for him if he needed it. He promptly told me he was not going to be sad and that he was fine. Once again, a little bit of a red flag in my book. Not that I thought my child was a serial killer or anything, but to me it just wasn't an overly normal reaction. During John's funeral, Jack did not want to sit next to me. He was uh he wasn't upset, but he didn't like the fact that I was crying. He told me he's like, "Mommy, I don't want to sit next to you. you're crying." He told my mom the same thing and I we moved seats and that was fine during the ceremony after or the reception afterwards he was running around he was enjoying the fact that everybody was there um both my kids are just crazy extroverts and love people so he had a great time um and even after the funeral after everybody left he was still not talking about john until we Talked with Miss T. I'm going to refer to his play therapist as Miss T solely because I have not talked to her about doing the podcast and I don't want to put her name out if she doesn't want it out. So we're just going to refer to her as Miss T for now. Miss T was referred to me by one of my good friends, Rachel she's going through a an art therapy master's program and actually some of her professors gave me her name i she's invaluable to me to be honest i feel like the reason that jack is adjusting so well is a lot to is a lot because of what she has just Done with him, which I'm not sure what it is. Um, they do a couple of art projects, they play games together, but it has been so unbelievably helpful for this situation, but also to kind of understand Jack a little bit more. I always go to her with maybe some behavior changes that I get concerned about. It's really hard at this age because. You never know if it is the different behaviors because of the new developmental age, if it's because of something else, or is it because of John, and she has helped me kind of work through a lot of that and helped me figure out how to modify some of his behaviors that weren't always the greatest. Um, He... For a little bit was throwing a lot of fits. He did go through a little bit of a regression. um, But he's doing amazing now. When we first went to her. I sat in the room with them. And she and I talked about everything about John. And he just kind of stayed there and played. And then I left for a little bit. It was like 15 minutes or so. When I came back, she had told me that Jack is probably protecting himself mentally. That the reason that he has not addressed anything with John is because it's a little bit too much for his little four-year-old brain to handle. And that totally made sense when she said it. I was like, that makes sense. And she said that it might come out in the next couple of weeks, but children tend to grieve more in the second six months versus the first six months after a tragedy, whereas adults tend to grieve more in the first six months. So... I was kind of prepping myself for him not to talk about it for a while. She said that they would work on it um, and to talk about any behavior changes that he might have. That night when we got home, the dam broke, basically. He was not wanting to go to sleep at all, and... I think he was on his last ultimatum that I gave him. And I walked downstairs and I walked back upstairs and I just hear him crying, Daddy. And he was genuinely sad about the fact that John was no longer here. He and I sat together and on the bed and just cried together for probably a good 15 minutes and talked about things and talked about heaven and talked about where daddy was and what happened and like I have always said I try to be as honest as I can to what his brain can comprehend. After that he has not stopped talking about daddy um, which is nice. It's nice to hear his memories of John, just like the one in the very beginning about the Cheetos on the truck. We had gotten Cheetos at an airport, and he said, hey, Mommy, I ate those with Daddy one time. I said, oh, you did? Tell me about it. And he told me all about how he had gotten his haircut, and then him and his dad had gotten hot dogs and Cheetos and sat on the back of his truck and ate them, and he loved it. He does use his dad as a stalling technique now, but I always tell him that daddy's in his heart and he needs to think of good thoughts about him and remember all the great memories he can in order to tell his sister about daddy. It does get difficult sometimes when he tells random strangers. He will just say oh, my daddy's up in heaven, or sometimes people will ask and be like, oh, and where's your daddy? And he said, well, he's up in heaven. And they just look at me like, oh, my God, what did I just say? Like, with kind of these deer in headlights expressions, and I was like, it's okay, it's part of our life. But it does kind of break my heart every time I have to tell somebody that his daddy is up in heaven. Jack still sees Miss T probably once a week. He has had a little bit of regression issues. He's had some behavior issues, but the most part, she feels like he's handling it really well. I've always felt that I never want to not talk about John. I never want to keep his memory away from them because it might be a little bit easier You know, if they don't remember him, then they don't remember all of that hurt. I feel like talking about him, not all the time, but whenever they want to or whenever something reminds me of John or just kind of bringing up those memories. I think it's it's helpful to keep his memory alive. I always want to Let them know that he there's he's always gonna be their dad. John is always gonna be their dad. He's never gonna not be in our memories, he's never not gonna be in our hearts. And that they can always talk about him. I think that's really important that they always have a space to talk about him if they want to. I do have a lot of fears. In the future, when they are older, I get really nervous about how they're going to feel when I tell them that John killed himself, that he died by suicide. I feel like they might be a little bit betrayed because I did tell him that he was really sick, which to me, it's... He was really sick. There's a lot of things that, you know, I kind of realized and found out after his death that alluded to a bigger problem that I knew about, which is frustrating and upsetting to me, but I also feel like I, you know, I failed my kids because I didn't know about these things, and I... Just failed, failed everybody in this process. Should I feel that? No. It's not always my responsibility. Every His behavior is not always my responsibility. His drinking was not my responsibility. But that's just kind of how I feel. And I'm so afraid that they're going to feel that I failed them. And... Be mad at me and be mad at me for not doing enough and hate me for it one day. I think that's my biggest fear. Actually, my biggest fear is that they will somehow feel that they weren't good enough for him. That they weren't worth staying him staying on this planet. I'm I guess I worry that. They're going to feel all the things that I feel. And I don't want them to. I don't want them to hold that hurt and that sadness and all of that on them. I want them to know that he loved them so much. And he was so proud of them. And that has nothing to do with... His suicide has nothing to do with them. Unfortunately, it's just such a separate thing. I think that Jack being born kept John around a lot longer than I think he would have. I think that John struggled a lot with the choice to stay alive, to be here, I think that was his war is trying to stay on this planet versus taking his own life. I think that he was just embattled and struggled a lot more than I knew than a lot of people knew. But I think that Jack and Piper kept him on this planet a little bit longer, a little bit more than he should have been or that he expected to be. Not should have been. And that he's, those kids were his world. On top of my fears of them absolutely hating me, I always get nervous that they're going to get bullied for it or they're going to find out in a way where it's not controlled by me, where I can't sit down and have a conversation with them about it. Because I feel like that when it's time for me to have that conversation, because it's going to, I'm going to have that conversation with them one day, that, hey, this is the way that your dad died. I don't know how much into detail. I probably won't go crazy into detail, but I think they deserve to know. But at that time, I plan on also having, you know, my, my crew there. <laughs> if, you know, Pastor Adam's still around, if he's still in our lives, absolutely I'd have him there. But, you know, my brother and probably their Uncle John and Uncle Adam and anybody that I think would make them feel good, that's who I would have there to talk with them about. But it is something that I worry about that they're going to find out in some uncontrolled, undesirable manner. And I guess it's just something that I'm going to have to deal with. But not something that I necessarily have to worry about right now. But that's what you do as a parent. You think of now, you think of five years from now, ten years from now, all the anxieties. And it's just, it's a lot. Even with Piper, I feel really bad that, you know, she never is going to remember her dad except for through videos and stories and pictures. I feel like she really deserves somebody to have a relationship like I had my dad. You know, one of the most devastating things, I think, was that I told my mom is that I had a relationship with my dad for 32 years. You know, I gotta have a dad for 32 years and she only got one for eight months. And that's a lot. That's a lot to put on somebody. And she deserves the world. She deserves everything. She deserves a great dad because she's a great person and I wish... She could have known John and she could have had a good relationship with him. But that just means I have to be mom and dad and everything to them. Because I'm their parent. I'm their sole parent. And I know I have a lot of family support and... support from a lot of other people but that's just how I feel it's like it's my job now to do the best that I can not to fuck them up to make sure that they have a safe and loving house to make sure that they're heard to make sure that they get spoiled and know that they're loved but also have rules so they're not little assholes running around I just, I always want them to know that they're so loved and they are the greatest kids ever. And I could have not gone through this experience without them. Without Jack's 500 questions and do you know what's a day and without Piper's just craziness. Standing up on couches and crawling upstairs and refusing to walk and just talking while saying absolute nonsense that those all bring me joy and they all remind me of John. And that's the best part is that I have two beautiful reminders of him. So the best way I found to handle... This and what seems to be working, at least for Jack, we'll revisit what works for Piper when we come to that, I guess. But just being honest with him, giving him space to feel his feelings, regardless if they're the same feelings I have or if they're different feelings or whatever feelings they have, but he has that space to feel them. And has a person to hear him and discuss those with him. I'm sure that therapy will be part of their life. But I also want them to know that going to therapy in whatever aspect, whether it's art therapy, play therapy, just doing something to get your emotions out is so important for your well-being and just so important for your self-care. And that they should know that and practice it and love themselves and know that they are worth everything in this world.